Hello everybody, before we get into this week's episode of Turn Chuckle with special guest, our favourite regular, Colin Delaney, to chat about all things wrestling from stuff from the past month to 1987, you know, we cover the whole gamut. Uh, here is a piece of lost audio from an interview that I was scheduled to do with Paul London. Now, this interview, you know, the, the technology failed us in the end, but this is salvageable uh, audio where we talk about many random things, barely any of it wrestling, but, you know, I found it to be quite entertaining when I listened to it back. Um, this led to the evening with Paul London that I ended up uh, conducting for James Campbell for their new movie, Tiger Man, which will, you know, the proof of concept of Tiger Man is on YouTube. Do check it out. It's Paul London as Elvis Presley avenging the death of Bruce Lee via Kung Fu. I'd, I'd pay to see it, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, we did an evening with in Carlisle where we talked about various aspects of his career. Now that is in the archives, on the Turnchuckle archives, and uh, yeah, I hope everyone enjoys this piece of lost audio, and then Colin Delaney. So with me this week on Turnchuckle, I have with me possibly, possibly the most fun wrestler of all time. Would would you would you say that you are? Is it for, is it for you to I say? I don't know. Yeah. It, it, I, I don't know. Do you know how, like, sort of, um, Teddy Biasi was self-proclaimed million-dollar champion? You could be, like, self-proclaimed most fun wrestler of all time. Well, I find it so broad of a statement. You know, like, I could be the most uh, bizarre. I think that's more fun. But it depends on what bizarre. Yeah, everywhere it's, like, general, I think, so. That's true. Uh, If, If you were most bizarre, though, what would you have to represent... Like, do you know, like, how, a title belt, what would you have? Uh, well, the skeletons are well hidden. So, you know, I I don't know if it would be a title belt as it would be just DNA, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> DNA, man. Well, DNA evidence that I'm the most bizarre. <laughs> well, if, if you haven't guessed yet, I have with me... Star of Lucha Underground. Um, what order should I put these in? Actor, professional wrestler, idiot, uh, village uh, moron, clown. Um, he has cool. he has good hair. Decent hair sometimes. Yeah. Uh, just you know, it's better when it's wet. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, there's a whole you know rainbow of a whole spectrum of colors that we can cover here, but we're you know they'll already. Yeah, well, if you, if, you, if, if you haven't guessed yet, I have with me Ahmed Johnson. No, I don't. I have Paul London. Yay! You're going down. I am always, <laughs> I'm always hurt, man. I'm in Houston. Thanks for having me on, man. Thanks for coming back. This is Ahmed. Stay in school, kids. Stay in school. My house is also a school. <laughs> it was very um, <laughs> positive and uh, trying to get kids back into school and stuff like that. When when I talked, yeah, to him, he's, a know, he yeah he's a great guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. Very misunderstood. A big, uh, Pearl River Plunge. <laughs> very misunderstood. Um, so yeah, do you know when? Sure. When when you did um, have like really long hair in WWE and it was really well conditioned, was that just a pain in the dick to like sort of maintain? Was it even worth it? Because it was just like just. No, it was. Um... Well, it was a wig. Most of the, <laughs> most, of the most of the savings are wigs. Yeah. I'm testing out some different looks. Now it was uh, I don't know. It was annoying to be honest with you. Long hair is annoying. Long hair is annoying. Do you have to put it in? It is. Yeah. We're, I was just. It's actually. It's like. 
you know, it gets in your eyes. Like my hair is not even that long now. And it's annoying. I'm contemplating shaving it every day. Did you have a choke on your so, hair? Did you have a choke on your hair in the ring when it was really long? Yeah. Yeah. That and I had a uh, like an idiot. I had a, a lip ring in at one time, and I remember, remember Regal would always threaten me and say he was going to rip it out. And uh, you know, I knew he was playing, but I was just like, "Yeah, okay, come on, go ahead." You know, I dare you. <laughs> So, and uh, like in Michigan or something, sometime I think it was like Cadillac, Michigan, or some town mm-hmm. he didn't know existed until this interview. And uh, I swallowed it like the stud or something came out in my like in in my mouth while he was shooting me off <laughs> to the ropes. And um, I I swallowed metal. It was like the whole thing out and went down my throat <laughs> like in mid run. <laughs> So I swallowed this lip piercing. Did it just gulped it down and threw the spot. Yeah. And then afterwards I went to like the nearest tattoo parlor or piercing bar or something and got it replaced. But that was it. It was the only real casualty. Didn't cause any damage or anything. And you literally then shot a diamond, I'm guessing, after that. Uh-oh. No, no, unfortunately it was fake silver, so I pissed it out. Uh-huh. So what? Uh, I don't remember the. Do? I don't remember the lip ring. What was it? Was it for anything in particular? Was it to pleasure the ladies with? Uh, no, that's more. Tough. No, it was off. It was, it was off to the side. No, it wasn't like a tongue ring or anything. It was like, uh, no, it was just. I don't know. I was just going through like a destroy my body and do this kind of mindset. You know, I think I had gotten the only two tattoos I have that are on my ankles. I think I got those around the same time. Mm. I don't know. You do stupid things when you're younger, you know. <laughs> yeah. What what tattoos do you have on your ankles? Oh, they're wings. It's like as a big uh, Kid Icarus fan growing up, it was one of my favorite Nintendo games. It was this this thing called the Nintendo Entertainment System. <laughs> you plug it into these called the television. Had nothing to do with other mobile devices or any of that stuff or. Yeah, Twitches or We've lost all the kids now. Yeah, yeah I'm, a, I'm a dinosaur, man. So, you know, it's a... Yeah. It was a fun game. You're like, you, know, you play your Icarus or something. It's like from the Greek mythology. So it's all related. You know, it's it's really just kind of a, an inked metaphor into my skin. That's uh, kind of a reminder, I guess. Just You know, it's like you can fly as high as you can go but be aware of the limitations or of the the risks you know if you fly too high to that temptation of you know that sun can be very tempting that bright sunlight and so uh, sometimes when you fly too close to temptation your wings melt and they're made out of wax and you fall to your death i can't believe they made a game of that yeah i mean i I don't think it was as dire as I made it out to be, but uh-huh. it, I mean, that's like, it's all Greek mythology. I think like his father was Daedalus, who was like a, an inventor and sort of escaped prison. He made his son these wings out of wax and put them on his ankles and warned him like so he could fly, but if you fly too, too close to the sun, your wings will melt mm. and they'll be good. And that's what happened. And so he fell to the ocean and he died. 
And that's where the Icarian Ocean is named after, actually, if you Holy around shit. Greece. I did not know that. Yeah. 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 So Kid Icarus, man, taught me a lot. You see, kids? Taught me a lot. This is a wrestling podcast where you get to learn Greek mythology. Um, you know, and, and I ask the important questions, like, um, what what's your favorite ice cream? Actually, as a as a uh, as a um, gluten free, like, is it hard with ice cream? Because like, as an ice cream enthusiast, like that that would probably kill me. No, it's not so bad. I mean, honestly, just be aware of what it is. I mean, I think a lot of people think you just eat you know, card, like cardboard and nothing else. Like, just you really have to stay away from bread, like anything with wheat in it. Um, wheat or malt or barley and so no more Maltesers no more deep dish pizza you know it's all bullshit so you really have to just uh, the truth is and I'm not going to turn into Austin Aries or something here and be like well, you know you shouldn't be eating animals <laughs> um, I'm actually eating he loves, his, he loves his bananas though you know yeah yeah, it, it's a gluten used as a thickening agent in food, and so if you think about it, no one actually needs it. It's actually not really a necessity of the body because it's designed to thicken things. So a lot of people tend to jump on a gluten-free diet in order to lose weight, uh, but overall, it's it wouldn't hurt you. You know what I mean? I'm not telling anyone that they have to go on this diet. Mine is a bit more required. I mean, I really will get bloated and like I can, you know, throw up or something. It gets, it can be pretty nasty. I'm not, you know, lethal. Well, it's not, it's, you know, it's away from me. You know, like, not for other reasons, but it's not, yeah, I don't know. It's just a matter of educating yourself. Like, it's something that came upon me. I would say when I was early thirties. Um, so it was never a medical thing. It was just a just a choice. No, I just yeah, I just you develop this allergy. I don't know. It's bizarre, you know. So um, I just I, I usually conscious of what I eat, but sometimes you expect certain results, and when you're not getting them, you start thinking like, okay, what's on here? And that's what the case was. I was dating a girl at the time who was into cooking baking and all this stuff and so she she mentioned that my dad had mentioned it and i tested it out and it seemed, seemed to work and so yeah i mean ice cream is really just a matter of staying away from like cookies and cream or like anything that might have a cookie or bread or a or some some bullshit in it uh but to answer your question flavors rocky road rocky road uh, yeah easily i think it's it's a safe bet you get yeah, the marshmallow and nuts and stuff, you know, so it's, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody.
everybody and welcome to another episode of Tone Chuckle. I am Pablo and with me is the one and only Colin Delaney. Hello. Hello. Yeah, it says uh, it says that you're recording the call now. I should take that as a cue. <laughs> and legally, I'm meant to let you know that I'm recording as well. So I am recording you. We are on the air. Yeah, I think that but like everybody does that thing on podcasts. It's <laughs> like that. Oh, oh, are we, have we are we recording? Is this is this recording? So I just I, I I skip that whole part and I just start talking and uh, assume that maybe it's recording and if it's not, I don't know maybe you'll chop it up later. But then now I, I know that when I see it at the top of my screen that you are indeed recording. This is to stop people from being secretly recorded, GC. Um, yeah, Sean Stacey exile. <laughs> see and um, yeah, so we how many shows have we done together now? I'm gonna guess twenty. Oh, I mean, <laughs> if, if you told me it was it was higher, I'd believe you. Uh huh. And 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 it's all we never run out of things to talk about, you see. So and I really appreciate your time because I think yeah, most no, people no worries. most people do one interview with me and they're like, oh, that was great. Let's never talk ever again. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, so, you know. phone number uh, phone number being changed. <laughs> well, I said to I think I, I don't ever mention to the uh, this to you last time, but when I was chatting with Duke uh, Sidrosi, I was just looking down my list of Skype contacts, and it was like, you could make a battle royal. And I was just like, I should just add everyone in the conversation at the same time, just to see what happens. Like, um, uh, yeah, a Zoom call that just like, <laughs> a, like there was that, when Zoom was first a, a, a thing, a big thing because of quarantine, there was like a random WWE superstar Zoom call that just randomly like broke out and the internet caught a piece of it that's amazing i didn't see that oh see, really yeah uh, yeah i'm gonna have to check that out were, were any um were any sort of uh, like trade secrets or things i shouldn't have been said made it out there oh i think it was just a, a, a screenshot just hit the net because someone took like a, a a screenshot of it and i only know because my buddy rj city wound up in it uh, <laughs> right because his friend David Arquette invited him into it. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I was, I was just thinking because well, we've been we were chatting for about twenty minutes before the show went on air. It was all gold. You've missed out now. This that was like the sort of uh, the the free for all. If you missed that, you missed so much good stuff, including me finding out that Mantor and PNUs are quite possibly cousins. Yeah, we haven't. I have no actual confirmation. Wikipedia says citation needed. So if you uh, if you know this information, also uh, apparently Pia News just lives in Europe and like is a European wrestler. Did you know this? No. <laughs> he doesn't go by Pia News anymore. He goes by like Cannonball Grizzly or something. <laughs> oh, so he doesn't do the rap. That's a shame. He's wrestled in Europe. It says he's still active. <laughs> If and I shouldn't judge, but if I'm guessing he's lost some weight, because by now you would, you know, I think either your joints would be gone or the heart would go, you know, if you were that big, wrestling like he did. He but with a name slow. like, but with a name like Cannonball Grizzly, I'm totally making that up, but I might not be. That's just. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, you dick. I, uh, okay, you I can't talk. actually confirm if that's the name, but it's something like that. It's something pretty close. Oh, okay. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, but I definitely, I definitely could be making up Cannonball Grizzly. 
if you are making that up now it's out there for people to see i, I don't know if i i don't know if i google cannonball grizzly i'd think i'd be scared of what might come up on google hold on i'm i'm googling right now just so just so oh it's cannonball grizzly i'm right oh you are right okay all right i'm gonna have to google does he look the same he currently works on the European Independent Circuit as Cannonball Grizzly, and the and in the United Kingdom as American Avalanche. He he comes to the UK, and I did not know about this. This is he lives in the UK. Shut now. up. Okay, right. Let's find this out. All right. See, if I interviewed him, I could do it at like a sensible time as well. He's only fifty-four. He started young. Like that's what I'm saying. The thing is, as well. When WCW was, you know, in the UK, we we only had like four channels at the time, you know, uh, before Sky and everything. But WCW was on one of those main channels, and this was prime PNU's era. So he was on like all the merchandise, and you know, um, it, as crazy as it sounds, like people like him and Van Hammer and uh, Big Josh were like some of like the first, you know pieces of exposure to WCW television because we got worldwide, which was like the C show. So it wasn't like you saw like Sid or Sting or British Bulldog and Flair was Flair was back at that point. But um yeah, no, so I'm I'm, I'm very familiar with um yeah, no, there's a recent picture. I mean, yeah, he looks exactly the same. Yeah, there you go. There you go. See? Uh, that's more PN news news talk than you would ever <laughs> dreamt. Uh yeah, he lives in Europe. Right, okay. Now road trip. I'm gonna have to find PN News's house and. Uh... Yeah, hold on. With with PN News living in Europe somewhere, this is way more. And and being like a an early '90s uh, wrestler, this is this should be your wheelhouse. And somehow I'm the one like dishing <laughs> the information. Well, that's this is why I love doing this podcast with you because I learn. I learn from <laughs> professional wrestler. Uh, who knows more about PN News than I do? Um, this was new news, news, new news, news to me. News, new, new news, news. It's a, it's going to be a, <laughs> a regular segment here from here on out. <laughs> um, I was just thinking, is this the longest you've ever been without a wrestling match before you yeah. actually started wrestling? How's that? Are you like healing up? Or I don't know. Who knows? I, uh, <laughs> I. I went down to a wrestling school the other day and uh, just took some took some bumps and whatnot and ran around a little bit and got moving. And I mean, it all feels the same. It's, you know, I don't know. It's the longest I've ever not been in a wrestling ring, period, let alone <laughs> wrestling matches in 17 years. That's got to be crazy. Um, I mean, it's got to be frustrating. I mean, it's frustrating for everyone as well. But like you're livelihood i mean a part of your livelihood depends yeah. on you being able to do this so you know um what have you been able to do wrestling wise to keep going apart from like the uh the podcasts and uh the stuff that you do on youtube and that yeah i mean i i, I watch a lot of wrestling i study a lot of wrestling um just re so when this whole quarantine thing started i was like well screw it i'm just gonna eat whatever i want and drink whatever I want. I can barely leave my house. I'm just, you know, I'll get back on track once this is all over. Uh, and then, like, couple, it wasn't over. <laughs> yeah. Then it, it went on for a couple months, and I was like, oh, okay, this thing's not ending. It's time to get like get my shit right. Because I mean, I I'm always active. I always like 
I, I'm not good at home workouts. I don't really enjoy it. You know, the gym is still closed here, so I haven't been able to go to the gym in, you know, four and a half, five months. Um, but I, I, I'm making do. And, uh, you know, I stopped drinking and I got myself back on a regular diet plan and I'm uh, exercising twice a day and just trying to get back with it. I do have a match next month, my first match oh. in uh, forever. Is that with a local promotion? It's actually not. I'm dr I'm going all the way to Indiana, which may not seem too crazy, but it's like nine hours from me. Well, that'll be exciting if nothing else, just to get out of the house. <laughs> oh no, I'm like as crazy as it sounds. Like it, it I'm excited just to feel normal for a day. Mm. So you know, being on the road and uh, and wrestling is is what makes me feel normal so it'll be the closest thing to normal i've felt in uh, in quite a while so how are they going to do this is this for local a local tv is there going to be an audience there so i'm not sure if you're familiar with independent wrestling tv iwtv i'm not i'm, I'm terrible i am terrible as a wrestling fan so there's a there's a, a streaming service uh called independentwrestling.tv it's like a subscription-based thing. I think it's $10 a month. And all these different promotions, they all put their shows up on there. And they've, you know, a lot of them now uh, stream out the show live. So it'll be streaming live on IWTV. Oh, that's very cool. I, I saw that um, uh, Booker T, his company, because uh, I interviewed one of his top, uh, top talent uh, called Will All Day. And, I um, love Will All Day. Yeah, yeah, he's really cool. Um, That's my dude. Oh, so have you wrestled each other? We did. We wrestled uh, when I was down in Texas for Wrestle Circus. Ah, cool. Um, and who went and then to? we went out and partied. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. He's, that he's... man, he gets after it. <laughs> we went yeah. to, uh, we went to, not to, let me, uh, I'll get my will all day and then you could tell me about Booker okay. T. <laughs> we wrestled this show and then we went to some bar in austin that was like uh i don't know like carnival themed kind of there was like a slide that took you down to like the bottom level of the bar uh, -huh. uh and then we wound up at a silent disco in a in a bar that was made out of like shipping containers that sounds like a lot of fun i need to come it out was, and party with you guys it was a blast will all day is uh I, i'm I like people uh, in the wrestling business, but I also I definitely like people in the wrestling business who then I learn like to go out afterwards and like have fun. Yeah, I, when I um, when I interviewed him, I felt really old when he told me that the first thing he ever saw was WrestleMania 14. Yeah, but I, I don't I think he's I don't think he's uh, that young. He just got into it later. Right. I think he just got into it late. Okay. Okay. I mean, I've I've made that comment before though. When like I I am now older than most wrestlers, but I'd, that's probably not the case because like when you look at someone like AJ Styles, who's like forty five and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't think age is really a an issue. I don't think age was ever an issue to be honest. I think it was only made an issue during the Monday Night Wars when they used it as a promotional tactic to say, look how old these guys are. Well, like, uh, when I around the time when I was in WWE, uh, I know they were trying not to hire. They were they said that they weren't going to hire anybody over thirty. 
Okay. Yeah, that... so it it's been a thing before. It's not always a thing, but it it you know WWE has you know said that they were not going to hire anybody over the age of thirty before. I mean, did they give their reasoning behind? I understand youth and everything, but youth also can bring inexperience unless you started a lot younger. I mean, were they? Was this the start of this? Like to you, them not necessarily reaching out to the independent companies, but them sort of trying to start their own real in-house developmental thing. Yes. Oh, so yeah. okay. When I was when I was there. They were just getting rid of OVW and Deep South and mm. transferring everything to Florida. Um, so I think that's where all of that kind of comes from. They didn't. They they just they were going to try and make new stars, you know, uh, as opposed to now where they are, you know, uh, kind of using established people and and rising them through the ranks. It's it's kind of weird that like because I mean I I just never thought that someone as good you know not because he was uh, good or anything like that just because I just think WWE didn't want people like Samoa Joe AJ Styles etc just because of the connection with TNA basically you know I I don't know like they were able to I feel like something clicked where they realized that they could bring in independent names purely well independent or anyone who didn't work for them before but based on their reputation you know yeah. and that that has been the thing more than opening something like uh the florida championship wrestling that has sustained them for longer in my opinion because it's given them the star power that they maybe didn't have for like a, a time period when they were sort of you know it was the end of Shawn michaels and triple h and all that kind of thing yeah, they haven't been uh, doing the greatest job of creating new stars in the last uh, decade or so. And I think that's a lot of people's knock. But you got to understand also with WWE, like these things that are the rule and they are the standard, uh, it, you know, it, that's just how it is right now. Like that being 30, uh, over 30 thing. I remember guys on the indies being like, oh, I'm too old, you know? And then it's like, okay, well, give it two years and they'll start hiring uh, Brody Lee. Who's at least, he was like 75 when they hired him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, you said that um, before lockdown happened, was it was going to be a pay-per-view from AEW it was going to be in Rochester. Uh, TV. They were doing TV in Rochester. And there was a good chance that you were going to be there for that. Well, I'd have been there for it. I mean, yeah, uh, that was, it was uh, like the week of St. Patrick's Day. So like everything shut down literally the week before. Um, and yeah, I'm fairly positive that's when Brody was supposed to debut because he debuted on TV, uh, the TV they did from Jacksonville that week. And uh, yeah, you know, I was going to be there at least hanging out and getting to see everybody. So Mm -hmm. uh, it was a bummer. And then they pushed it back and they're like, we're going to do it in July. And uh, July has come and gone and they pushed it back. And I think they're they're still shooting to try and be in Rochester in November. That'd be cool. Hopefully. There's yeah, a... I mean, if we yeah, exactly. If we can find a vaccine. Yeah. Well, I mean, the one thing that I mean, WWE eventually took AEW's lead in uh, having some kind of 
audience there for some kind of atmosphere um and it it's obviously it's helped the show shows tenfold um and even if it is the case even by november that they still have to do that i don't think it's gonna necessarily harm anyone going forward um especially when i mean you know when you're owned by a billionaire i guess you can kind of not have to have an audience as well yeah um yeah right for sure uh we were talking for a minute before we went on air about impact impact is not doing that. They do not have any kind of crowd. Mm. Uh, that, that was kind of jar. We got to uh, review some versary um, um, because impact has a, we are on impact radar in terms of like, Hey, would you like to review us? Would you like to interview wrestlers to help promote the pay-per-view and stuff? Which, which is like wonderful that we get to do that. So I was like, I'll review it. And and everyone sort of like, it was one of those scenes where like they stop playing the piano and the can-can dancers stop. And, you know, everyone turns <laughs> around and goes, are you, are you sure there's no giant Gonzalez on this event? And I was like, no, no, I'll, I'll totally do it. Uh, Cause my friend is also a big impact wrestling fan. And he's been talking about, he loves Johnny Swinger. Um, sure. More than anything at the moment. Um, he, you know, I think he connects with Johnny Swinger, whether whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> we can leave it up to the audience to decide. Um, but that it, it was jarring at this point that there was no audience there in the sense that WrestleMania was jarring as well. Um, but there's just something about the the atmosphere that they're able to create along with the actual interested commentary that is sort of you know enjoys talking about the match and the moves and the psychology and why things are happening and also not afraid to or or have the sort of um the ability to talk about things that are going to happen later on in the night or talk about what happened last week and stuff like that just to have a soundtrack but also mean you know have some content of worth as well instead of just like going into a conversation about absolute nonsense while you know a great match is happening sort of thing and i was actually surprised at how much i by the end of that show i did not miss there being an audience whereas with wrestlemania i kind of still really did um yeah so i did not watch slammiversary but i wanted to but i haven't been keeping up with impact much so i wasn't gonna foot the put the bill on it uh but from all accounts i heard it was really good and from what i read i was like oh a lot of this interests me so since slammiversary i've been watching tv every week and i have really been enjoying it even though they don't have an audience uh i don't know if it's the way they're filming it uh that might be a little closer and tighter or maybe the way it's set up that's a a bit closer um Mm. but uh, it doesn't uh, i don't i'm not phased by the no crowd um i I prefer Sorry. the no crowd arena to the uh, the wrestle house. I think that they started doing this week. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of um, we were going to review uh, this week's impact, and then I watched the show, and I was like, "There's nothing to review." There were like three matches, if you don't include the wrestle house matches. Yeah, I it, I like it. I like it as like a small bit uh, here and there popping in, uh, but I feel like all the bits were a little long. And I was like, uh, let's get back to the ring, guys. I, I'm not, you know, can I can I be the guy? All right, let's get it back to the ring. It, it, became, it became like an infomercial where it was just package, video package after promo, after another video package, then a, 
um, machine guns match from like a few years back. And, you know, it's just like, I, I know they only advertised free matches for that night, but I was like, well, there'll be more surely, but I, I don't know. I, I, the wrestle house thing. I mean, it went five minutes, then they cut to a break and I was like, okay, that's a good amount of time. And then it came back and then it went on for another 10 minutes. And then it came back later on, uh, for another huge segment. So I, I don't know. I, I kind of like it in the sense that it's presented as a reality show. So you can kind of acknowledge the weird, crazy camera angles and the music being dubbed in and stuff like that. But in terms of overall production, I mean, I love that, just little things like when there's a backstage promo, there's music being played as well. It just keeps the energy going. It seems like there's lots of very subtle, um, you know, maybe even subconscious things that they do that keep the energy flowing and, you know, just and keep some kind of noise happening or anything, you know? Um, yeah. 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 Uh, no, I think at the start of... Uh, all this stuff and quarantine and whatnot, I, I think impact was kind of almost off the radar for a lot of people, mm-hmm. but just in recent times, I mean, I, I know more people are watching it than probably even before quarantine started for sure. I mean, having all these names come in obviously has piqued a lot of people's interest and by the looks of, I mean, Ed, what I like is that, the sort of vignettes how people have debuted etc they are all very different but it's also a bit of a risk to just introduce a ton of people in one go because i mean okay they are established names but it it, you know when something like say the may young classic happened or the you know what or anything like that or nxt uk if someone isn't familiar with everyone having a whole roster kind of just landing in your lap you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Maybe you want to learn about all of them, or maybe it's too much at the same time. Maybe. But the thing that I liked about... I mean, I think hopefully they realise that they can't just keep doing tons of surprise debuts on every show. You know, and it it did uh, feel like they were starting again with the show. I mean, I even heard Impact had new theme music at the start and all that kind of thing. So they really have started again. And they're very good at sort of acknowledging that people may be watching for the first time as well. So they're really good at giving background information on each wrestler as well. I, I agree. I, I was talking to a friend of mine who was kind of not poo-pooing it, but just being like, because uh, the, the North lost the tag titles to the Machine Guns on the first Impact after Slammiversary. Mm. And they were kind of being like, well, doesn't everything build to the pay-per-view? Why build up to this pay-per-view if then the next night you're going to get like, the X division rematch immediately. And then the title swap on free TV. And I said, well, I I do get that, but I think that's an old, a bit of an old way of thinking and not for nothing. I didn't tune into slam anniversary, but I heard slam anniversary was good. I did tune into free TV and I enjoyed what I saw. And now I'm more likely to invest in the next pay-per-view, you know, Mm -hmm. I I think as well, there's a, there's more pressure to, it, a lot of people heard of Slam uh, about what happened to Slamversary, and I, I, I can imagine that more people tuned into Impact than previously had. Um, and there's more pressure to have a good show when there are more people watching, I guess, because if you have a stinky show, then that's a lot more people that aren't going to watch next time. Um, yes. And they, they did a good job. I just think that the, pre, the, the last show that they did... It, it, 
there just wasn't a lot of actual wrestling on it. <laughs> you know, it was just kind of... And, and as a one-hour show, I think it would have been perfect. But as a two-hour show, it was kind of a lot of interviews and promos and stuff that no. they could have maybe cut down, I think. But, in t- you know... Um, this is a lot of new wrestling we're talking about here. In terms of promos, uh, did you see the MJF? I did. I did. I enjoyed it. I, I love MJF, though. Mm-hmm. MJF is uh, uh, a dude who I've known for quite a while, and I've always been a, a fan of his work, and I've always enjoyed him. His uh, his character work, though, has always been spot on like this. You know, he's... <laughs> we had a technical mouth. I lost a headphone. <laughs> Technical malfunction. It took I I'll just head- I'll entertain the I people. I lost the headphone. You- yeah. And it happened to be the headphone that the microphone was attached to, so <laughs> it was a disaster all at once. But no, Max uh, has always been a great uh, promo guy, a great character, great at talking, great at connecting. But uh, in recent times, man, his wrestling work has gone through the roof. Mm. He is so great in the ring now to go along with. He looks better. He's, uh, you know, super talented in the ring to go along with this character and this, uh, you know, persona that is so uh, unlikable that it's likable. And and the, the uh, criticism that I'd heard was that actually uh, over time on, uh, on Dynamite that he – maybe he had dropped the ball, which is why he wasn't getting used too much. I mean, I don't know. You know what I mean? But the thing is, the good thing about this uh, promo that he did was he used the fact that he wasn't getting used as part of the interview, which was beautifully done. And you could tell that he meant what that he was saying. But also, to me, it it's kind of interesting because it was almost like the best Jim Cornette promo that he never did. Um, and <laughs> I don't know if like how much they... I mean, they they do pay attention to that the 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 Jim Cornette podcast, obviously, um, but it seems like they're actually taking that and using it for something. Do you think that's what they've done with this? Because it was very much like something Cornette would say. Um, I don't know, maybe, but it's it also it's just once again it, it that is kind of his character and his persona. You know, it's not like these things are. Uh, uh, I don't know, observations that his character and persona wouldn't make. Does he believe this, though, from you knowing him? Like, I'm guessing, all the sort of more, the the high spot kind of Young Bucks kind of matches, they, are they not his kind of thing? Um, I think that he is a subscriber to more of the character work, but that doesn't mean that I haven't seen him go out and have one of those matches and that he's not capable. He definitely is. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, it's 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 the thing is like it, it it will be interesting to see where this goes. Um, I think uh, I think everybody has been doing a pretty good job during this, with the exception of probably WWE. And I think the big issue with them is how much stuff they have to do. You know, like if they just had one weekly television program and a monthly like pay per view. It might be easier to manage, but I think in these times, all of this uh, and then trying to pump out four shows or whatever a week is is a lot. And, the you know, it's not it's not an easy watch. I don't think I've watched uh, very much 
WWE television in the last handful of months, but I have caught most every AEW. Uh, the fact that they had like, you know, Fighter Fest was uh, just a weekly, you know, two part weekly thing. And they presented it like it was big. And then right after that was Fight for the Fallen, which once again was like a weekly piece of television. Uh, and it was, you know, made to feel big and made to feel special. And it was good. And then we just talked about impact since Slammiversary. I've been watching every week and I've been enjoying what I've, I've been seeing. I'm going to tune in again and I'm going to see what else they got. Even Ring of Honor, who hasn't been able to run live shows at all because of their situation. Uh, I'm not sure if you've caught any of the, the TV they're putting out, but they're putting out best ofs hosted by the wrestler themselves from home. So they did like a best of Dalton Castle and he like hosted it from his house. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's, it's cool. It's, it's a good idea for their weekly TV until they can get back to, uh, to putting on shows. It keeps people invested. It keeps it interesting. It keeps you, you know, uh, appreciating the matches and enjoying the characters. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think everybody's been pretty good with what they've, the hand they've been dealt minus potentially WWE. Well, you know, I think you, you did hit the nail on the head that they, the other companies know how to make things feel big within their world. Um, and it helps that they don't put out just constant hours upon hours of um, content per week as well so you know it's possible to then have something be bigger um then it may be even perceived to be but it's all in the marketing and they know how to market themselves really well whereas wwe wwe it does a lot of it does feel like contractual obligations at this point um you know i mean you don't have to look no further than the saudi arabia shows which are basically giant birthday parties for you know kids rich kids who want to see whoever, you know, and, you know. Yeah, we, I, I mean, we talked about those, those shows, right? We've, 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 we've delved I into believe, this, right? I believe we'll have, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because if there's, if there's one thing that we're going to talk about, it's comparing these Saudi shows to the Kuwaiti Cup, and, <laughs> like, we just saw clips of the Kuwaiti Cup on Raw, you know, we didn't need to watch the whole Kuwaiti Cup, it didn't have to be this in-continuity piece of content they put out, like, we didn't even care who won it. I think Ahmed Johnson won it, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, do you know who won the second year? Ooh, I didn't even know they did a second year. Uh-huh. Oh, I'll tell you what I've got from... I, right, okay, this shouldn't shock you too much, but um, from the second year, I have a press pass from... um, It wasn't even a press pass. I think it was like a member of staff, sort of lanyard kind of thing, with the Kuwait uh, WWF logo on it, and uh, it has his picture... And his details on it as well, which is a bit weird. Uh, it came wow. in like a lot, a lot of things. But yeah, do you want to guess who who the crowd was subjected to free matches to that night? <laughs> uh, what year? 1997. Uh, ooh. Savio Vega. No, but I mean, not a million miles away. Think of someone who was barely on TV in 97 and then was taken off pretty quickly and sent to Dory Funk's uh, dojo for like a lot of training brackets <laughs> no but again along the right lines second generation superstar oh man who was uh man uh the rock no do you want to know third yeah shoot tiger ali scene <laughs> that's, that's like early tiger ali 
Mm-hmm. Well, he made some appearances on. It was kind of weird because he was bringing the Canadian flag to the ring with him on like sort of the B shows. He was never on a Raw in '97. Um, he was on the UK event one night only, and he came out with his dad. Um, and the crowd did not know how to take it, and they just booed him. And he was the face. Um, poor Leaf Cassidy had to, um, you know, drag him through a good match. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, that was kind of it with him until uh, he did that. Uh, how low will an American go, Teddy Biasi? I will pay you to do stuff. Uh, you know, things. I prefer my Tiger Ali Singh uh, managing D'Lo and Chaz. <laughs> yeah, when they couldn't get into buildings and stuff like that. That was, uh, yeah. oof, yeah, that didn't last too long, sadly. That was kind of the end of Lowdown at that point. Because Lowdown were kind of, before they became, oh, I don't know. It, 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 it was kind of a racist tag team, wasn't it? Like the idea yes. behind it. Yeah, it was. I mean, there's no getting around that. Um, WWE have done the smart thing of just putting a disclaimer in front of every show now on the network because I think anything from the 80s onwards like especially through the Attitude Era there will be a racist thing (laughs) yeah I don't know how WWE's avoided it because the internet loves tearing people down for racist stuff they did 10 years ago and I'm surprised that WWE hasn't just gotten caught up in any of it I I think it's kind of weird because, like, in the UK, I don't know what it was like in America in the 70s and 80s, but with sitcoms, you know, a lot of them in the UK used a lot of racist language, but it was in... And I'm not justifying it, but it it was a bit of a a context thing because it was like a snapshot of, say, London in 1978 or something like that, where those words would be used, but they were also used as comedic... um, tools to you know just to get a laugh basically so usually the the white guy who was who said the racist thing would get his come up and so whatever but i'm just like you can understand why that wouldn't be shown i mean was that kind of stuff shown in america during that time i mean yeah you know because oh, yeah, there were, sure. uh, there were I mean, a lot of like black-based comedies during that time yeah. yeah but even into like if you watch some stuff from like the early 2000s how like homophobic and rate and racist and sexist talk can be in like tv shows and we ju- we just never batted an eye at it mm. oh it's true you i know? mean i was watching um it was a clip of a uh, uh, raw from 2000 and triple h and kurt angler in the ring with mick foley and triple h and mick foley for literally about 10 minutes make gay jokes to kurt angle and the crowd would like chanting faggot and stuff like that and it's just like how like I mean USA I guess were very lenient <laughs> during that time, um, but it was just that no it, it's not it wasn't even thought of as lenient I don't think it was just like just thing, it was just yeah. accepted, um, mm. which is why when like I don't know when I see people getting like outed for like a ten year old tweet I'm like I don't know man like put me in a time machine and take me back to that time. Uh, there's a reason we didn't all get mad about it 10 years ago. I understand that it's bad, but let's not dig around through people's stuff from 10 years ago and be like, can you believe yeah. that this person said this? It's like, man, uh, I don't know. I totally agree. And, and the thing is, I mean, where where does that end if you're a wrestling fan as well? Because like, I purposely went out of my way to make a Saba Simba custom action figure. Um, <laughs> yeah. where, where, where does it end? Because like, when Jack's 
they did the Mark Henry Tony Atlas double pack and the, the classic superstars made a Tony Atlas figure from like sort of mid eighties, Rocky Johnson sort of Tony Atlas. And yeah. then because he has looked the same from about 1990 onwards to now, you could use that bald head on a Jimmy Snooker body and, you know, put a bit of loincloth around him and then, you know, bada boom, you got a, you got yourself a Sabah Simba figure. And the thing is, when he first came in, he was the first to have the Kamala shield. Um, if you look at those pictures. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. So when Kamala, when Mattel made a Kamala with that shield, I can't have been the only person thinking, yes, now, you know, I can complete my Sabah Simba custom. <laughs> which I which I have on display and it's just like you know you you know those I don't want to say the word but you know those dolls from the 70s and the 60s with the black face and the you know um is it worse than that I don't know <laughs> like I, I feel like morally wrong sometimes for like because so many racial stereotypes in wrestling over the years if I can pause real quick did they made a, a two-pack of Mark Henry and Tony Atlas <laughs> yeah yeah they did uh did you not know this and it wasn't a three-pack including me yeah i know it's a disgrace isn't it well they were doing those treacherous trios triple packs at that point yeah but you i mean you know you know that your figure was released after you were released correct yeah but me tony and mark we were a squad for like at least two yeah. weeks maybe three <laughs> <laughs> well they made um they made a tommy dreamer with um with uh joey styles as a pack and i guess you feasibly could have ended up in that pack wow you wore one ring gear and but jacks were notorious for re-releasing figures and because they made specific parts for your figure they would have wanted to get their money's worth out of that colin delaney action figure and they would have telling you Uh uh-huh did i mean when you were scanned for that so did you oh no you weren't scanned were you we're not scanned no no they just they at that point they were doing it off pictures i was told right okay because back in the day you would you know you would pull about like nine or ten facial expressions and then that would last you for like probably years at that point um yeah i don't know where they got that facial expression for me <laughs> the the mouth open they they literally the, the picture they must have taken it from is probably me like flying through the air or something you know i guess so because it was very unlike you that picture they were like uh I mean, it looks like you, but again, it doesn't look like any of your promo pictures or anything like that. No, it looks more like, uh, kind of like an Adam Sandler with long hair to a degree. <laughs> uh, but I, I, so I did that first match against Shelton. And then the next week when they brought me back to, to TV, it was in North Carolina and I remember them being like, Hey, can we get some promo shots of you? And I was like, uh, okay and then all the other extras were like that's a good sign <laughs> did they like, ever, okay did they require your sick autograph to put it on merchandise no nah, no i i don't think so the only time i've ever heard about this was again it was duke, uh, duke Rossi who said that one day um maybe uh, tony Guerrero or someone like that came backstage and was like oh, i need your autograph for for merchandise purposes and so you the, but the thing is though it's in character and you've never written your name i mean you would be fine but duke the dumpster has never had to write out the words duke the dumpster on anything 
And right, he, but back in that day, back in the day, remember, like in magazines and stuff, they would have the poster and it would have like the fake signature at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's what that's what they were for, and apparently he got ribbed because his signature was just shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what I would have done. I'd have probably tried to draw a, a trash can or something. <laughs> I told you, well, I, I showed you the picture that he sells trash can lids. I think that's brilliant. Like, yeah, yeah, what, it's what, it's it's pretty smart. What would Colin Delaney, ECW Colin Delaney, sell? Would it be like rib tape, bandages? Yeah, I was gonna say uh, rolls of ace bandage. <laughs> I don't know. So, um. Right, uh, yeah, because this I, I've got to change the subject because we'll go down a rabbit hole of absolute nonsense. I mean, everything we do is a rabbit hole of absolute nonsense. Which yeah, I was gonna say you're not. I, I don't know how you're gonna save it because no matter what you say next, we're probably gonna just trail off into uh, <laughs> talk about. Uh, I don't even know. Well, well, I was gonna. Um, I had a segue all planned when we were talking about Tiger Ali Singh doing the "How low will an American go?" Um, I just watched uh, the Paul Bosch uh, retirement show, the WWF show from 1987. This is why 24/7, the old service was much better than the network, in my opinion, because they put on like every single MSG show, Boston Garden show. Um, you know, uh, Spectrum show, all that kind of thing. So, you know, they, you can get the, the Sam Houston, the, sorry, the Paul Bosch retirement show pretty easily. Um, so DBRC does one of those, uh, I will pay you $400 to do something. And he gets a kid out the audience to sing. Is it called the yellow rose of Texas or something like that? Oh, I don't know. Cause that's why David or Kerry had the yellow rose on his robe, wasn't it? Cause it was like Texas stadium and all that kind of thing. State flower. Yeah, well, he tries to. The kid tries to sing, and he doesn't get the money and stuff like that. But it's a, it's a really interesting show. Um, and <laughs> yeah, don't worry, kids. You know, we talked about modern wrestling. We filled that quota. Now this is a a completely random show from 1987. I want to get your thoughts on this show because it's it's quite odd. Oh, so okay, so obviously at the Sam Houston Coliseum, you're going to open with Sam Houston, um, who defeated Steve Lombardi. Um, wow, that was the opener. Mm-hmm. Well, Oof. Sam was 90, over there. Ninety-seven. Eighty-seven. Oh, I thought you said ninety-seven. I was like, did you? Are, did they really try and give me a Sam Houston <laughs> Steve Lombardi match in ninety-seven? <laughs> did you ever get in the ring with Lombardi for anything? No, no. I worked with him on like backstage stuff, like doing pictures and whatnot. But no, I never, uh, never stepped in the ring with him. What was his role at that point? Because he wasn't like a agent, was he? He was like something else uh yeah he was just he would help with like backstage uh like i I don't even i can't even remember like uh i think the time i i he grabbed me to do something was like those uh the graphics where you're standing there and then you like pose and then it freezes yes i think i worked with lombardi on those (laughs) did you do so i don't know what that means his role is did you (laughs) <laughs> it was probably along the lines of uh, Bruno, uh, downtown Bruno, who he was kind of like in in the most respectful sense of the word. He was kind of like a, a gopher. Like they, if they I, needed props I, for that night's raw, he would go out and get them and all that. You know. I honestly think Bruno was in the room also while I was doing these uh, <laughs> pose and stop guys. Did you have to do many of them? Or? Uh, no, 
No, I don't think I did. I think I just did a, a couple, and they were like, uh, can you do anything else? And I was like, I think that's all I got. And they were like, all right, see ya. Because it's like I was all covered in bandages. Like, it's real hard to look tough when you're covered in bandages. So just uh, <laughs> looking hurt was about as good as I could get. You did it better than anyone. I do what I can, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm out, and now I'm out here just signing ace bandages for people. <laughs> um, okay, second match, uh, Bruno, um, who wasn't really a, um, a, a name in Texas, really, uh, against Hercules. Um, Whoa. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Bruno wins. Oh, yeah, Sam Houston won his match, and uh, Bruno defeats Hercules by count out. Um, <laughs> Interesting. Wasn't Hercules? No, Hercules was a Florida guy, right? Hercules was Florida. I think he did. Um, wasn't he in Jim Cornette's stable in even Memphis or something like that? Oh, I don't remember. I don't. Re- I don't sort of link him with Texas too much. Well, um, <laughs> speaking of two people who I do not link with Texas, uh, in a hair versus hair match, uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake against Luscious Johnny Valiant. Um, wow. Yeah, this was just after Mania 3. Now, somewhere in between there, um, Andre gets announced. And I don't think Andre was in the mood to do anything that night because he walks halfway down the aisle and does a Shawn Michaels, basically. He's like, screw this, and then walks off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, After, like, a huge announcement as well. But, um, yeah, so Beefcake defeats Johnny Valiant in 6.36. Paul Bosch gets, like, no mention on this entire show. He must have got introduced somewhere in the night. Um... But uh, do you want to, the announce team? The announce team is wonderful. It's uh, it's Bruce Pritchard, um, who was a you know Paul Bosch um, protege. Um, was he doing Brother Love at the time? No, he had just come into the company at this point. Wow. Um, it was Paul. <laughs> get, get this for a team. Um, Bruce Pritchard, Mike McGurk, and the Duke of Dorchester, Pete Doherty. Holy smokes! For uh, for the our tag team podcast, we did the heart foundation the other day uh-huh. and we, we were just talking about the random wacky announcers and Cheech had mentioned how he caught a match that had uh, Mike McGurk on commentary. And I was like, I don't even, I can't even believe that existed. <laughs> I, she was brought in cause she is Leroy McGurk's daughter. Um, and I guess she was brought in just to be a commentator, but uh, for whatever reason, it just didn't work. Um, I mean, there are matches out there with the the legit announced team of Don Morocco and Lanny Poffo. Mm -hmm. Um, Wow. Yeah, so Pete Doherty, because I wasn't too familiar with it. I I heard his commentary before I saw him wrestle, and he has that, like, voice, and that'll grate on you after, like, two hours. Um, (laughs) And, um, but then... You, have you seen any of the Pete Doherty matches in Boston Garden? Because he was like a legend of Boston Garden. Ah, not I, not that I know of off the top of my head. The, there's a an old British wrestler called Cat Weasel who sort of had long, wild, blonde hair, and he was really wimpy, and he would just do these. Re- it was kind. Of, he was very sort of comedy bump sort of thing. And um, did you <laughs> did you say his name was Cat Weasel? In the UK, yeah, yeah. That's incredible. But what a name. <laughs> yeah there were some uh, very odd names in the U- on the uk wrestling scene um so yeah well, it was kind cat of like... weasel cat weasel is my new favorite name <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna give you a link uh to him um so yeah pete Doherty was such a um a legend of boston garden wwf shows that the very last show that wwf did at the boston garden in 97 he came out as like a guest of honor 
Um, (laughs) Yeah, and uh, they were knocking it down, the Boston Garden, as they had just built the Fleet Center, which was like directly over the road from the Boston Garden. Um, and and he's still still kicking as well. Like uh, just a picture will show up. There's a peak doc the uh, Facebook appreciation page, of course, because there's a page for everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he is a talk about a guest. Like talk about someone who doesn't do interviews. Who I would love to get on the show. Um, I shouldn't say this on air because you know then everyone will jump on it. But um, but there we are. But yeah. Um, how's this? Get him for- in line. Get him in line after uh, PN News. Cannonball <laughs> Grizzly. Get them both on together in a rap battle. I think that would be really cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, right. How about this? Tom Pritchard in 1987 um, against Mark Lewin. Purple Haze. Oh, okay. I was like, Mark Lewin. Why do I know that name? Yeah. yeah. Weird. This is a WWF card? Yeah, but again, Paul Bosch retirement show. So there's a lot of nods to Texas um, during this. A lot of nods to Houston. And... Um, Tom, uh, Bruce on commentary has to admit that he is Tom's brother. Um, and, <laughs> you know, uh, they only go three minutes, but they they wrestled as if they were auditioning for a job. They really went for it in those three minutes. Um, hey, I, I'm I'm all for a three minute sprint. One of my favorite uh, Owen Hart matches, Owen Hart one two three kid from uh, King of the Ring. It's like a three minute sprint. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Someone made a uh, point recently that the because um, Owen drop kicks kid through the ropes as yeah. the first move but then they have a rematch on king of the ring 98 and x-pac does the same thing to own heart as the first move in the match wow mm-hmm. see interesting um so um yeah so that that lasted uh three minutes and uh, tom pritchard uh wins and uh dbrc comes so the thing is dbrc comes out and does that uh i will pay you to do this but He's like, I'm very, uh, you know, the the crowd of Houston are very familiar with me. So there's like that acknowledgement, even though the gimmicks changed. But he's like, I've come into money, etc. And you know, so they tried to keep, uh, you know, uh, some kind of kayfabe uh, going with that. <laughs> um, so world title match, uh, halfway through the card, so he could get back for room service. Hogan right. against One Man Gang. Um, okay. Yeah, that goes ten minutes. And uh, Hogan wins. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, follow, and Gang had just come in at that point as well, just after WrestleMania 3. But that that was the thing at the time, that the monster heel would come in and immediately do the loop with Hogan. Like Anvil did Oh, yeah, yeah, four, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. And Butch Reed would do it and everyone else. So um, women's title match, the rematch. Uh, Sensational Sherry defeats the Fabulous Moolah in 647. Um the crowd are kind of because the thing is when Sherry beat Muller, which was in Houston as well, I believe, um, Sherry was actually a face and Muller was still the heel. And then for whatever reason they decided to switch them, but I don't think the crowd were completely on board by this point. So the, you know, um they were kind of cheering and booing both of them. But Muller does some flying head scissors in this match. Which like Man, and Mula, she had to have been. I mean, eighty-seven. That's that's uh, not her prime, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got to say, yeah. You don't mean she was eighty-seven in this match? Um. <laughs> well, correct. Yeah, but I mean, nineteen eighty-seven. She was still. Uh, I mean, early sixties. Probably. Like. Sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's got to be up there doing flying head scissors. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Sherry totally helped her with it, but um, yeah, it was it was interesting. Right. How about this? 
Junkyard Dog and Tony Atlas, who I, I hadn't really been with the company for maybe about a year at that point. And he's in his Superman costume even back then. Um, Interesting. With Ernie Ladd in the corner. Okay. Um, yeah, against Kamala and Sika with Kimchi and Mr. Fuji in their corner. Um, wow. That, that's... Yeah, it's, um, it's a car wreck, basically. Yeah, it, ha- it has to be. It has to be. <laughs> So there's only dog, one way that match goes. Well, yeah, Dog and Atlas uh, win that match in uh, 5:41. Um, see, the crowd are kind of like dying down at this point because the title match has already happened. Um, this match I've never seen uh, because it, it's not on any broadcasted version. Uh, but in 1987, in WWF, Terry Funk defeats Chavo Guerrero. Wow, Chavo Senior. Mm-hmm. Um, and. There was talk of uh, Terry Funk having a match against Eddie in 1989 in WCW when Funk was doing the whole flair feud and everything. Um, and Eddie was... Yeah, I, I've, I've, uh, there, you can find that match online. Ah, uh, okay. I'm going to have to find that. Um, Eddie's super young, and uh, Funk just beats him around the arena. <laughs> it's like a studio taping deal. Uh-huh. Uh, so Eddie doesn't get in any... Uh, he does. No, he does. He gets in a little bit, but he's mainly just getting whipped around the arena. Right. Have you ever wrestled on an indie show with Terry Funk? I've done indie shows with Terry Funk, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, I, watched, I watched Terry Funk against Kevin Steen one time. Wow, okay. Uh, Terry Funk is like the, you know, he's... Uh, uh, you know, he's he's old. This, this match was probably 10 years ago. Mm. Uh probably not even at this point but uh you know terry's old and he's very ginger he walks very slow and it's about to be time for uh his match and he's in a stairwell doing squats and push-ups god that puts puts me to shame (laughs) that really does and i was like holy smokes this dude's about to go out there and go for it uh i also did a show with him uh, uh in cleveland and he was like, I can't remember. He said he was just, he was just gonna go out there and like throw some punches and maybe do a DDT or something. Uh-huh. He comes through the curtain, picks up a chair and hurls it at somebody. Then just starts throwing fists. <laughs> then tips a table on somebody. Then throws a DDT on the floor. That's incredible. I've seen some Terry Funk indie shows in the nineties. I mean, there's a match against Hawk. Um, and they talk about two loose cannons um, with no insurance for that show, probably no building insurance. Or anything like that. And they are throwing like Terry Funk more than anyone I've ever seen can scare audience members um, by when he starts throwing the chairs around and when he gets that look in his eye and everything. And uh, yeah, no, he's something else. I mean, did you see the clip from like maybe only like three or four years ago when Lance Russell was still around? Um, Terry Funk faces Jerry Lawler and Funk comes out in his old cowboy hat with the poncho and everything and he's still calling you know, Lance Russell like an old egg-sucking dog and his mother's a whore and stuff like that <laughs> it's, just, it's amazing Terry Funk's a, a, a wild man uh, he went out to the bar after that Kevin Steen show with all of us we went to a, like a little townie bar in like middle of nowhere New York and it was just like us and the bar was about to close, and we told them, we're like, hey, not for nothing, but Terry Funk's about to roll in here. And they were like, 
okay, we're going to stay open. Oh, that's incredible. That is incredible. I met Terry Funk once. They ordered us pizzas and stuff. Nice. That's really cool. (laughs) So, did Terry talk about wrestling? I don't know if it's... I don't know if it's on... Uh, like the yes, one, we with people who asked. Right, okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was like a big group around him, and he was telling stories and whatnot. He did. He did the longest toast in uh, in history. He he just did one of those like repeat. All right, everybody, repeat after me, because of course the the bar was just like giving us shots because Terry Funk was there. Uh-huh. So he's like, all right, repeat after me, and I wish I could remember the whole thing, but he just had this entire bar repeat after him. For like four straight minutes. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. I'm gonna have to try and find that Terry Funk Kevin Steen match. It's gotta be out there somewhere. If you yeah, have it was Terry for the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, I think. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Um, Back well, when this, it was in New York. Well, this uh, this ma- this card has two more matches. Um, All right, Teddy- I'm ready. Yeah, uh, Teddy Biasi against Jim Duggan. Now, this match was Jim Duggan's first match in the WWF after being busted for pot with the Iron Sheik. Um, right, okay. He was brought back as a for Paul Bosch, basically, but the match was so good that Vince decided to bring him back after this match. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And he was, he, behind Hogan, was the most over person there. Um, he well, he's still, crowd. I mean, I say this, I say this a lot. Like, there's, very few wrestlers who you can legitimately call household names and hacksaw Jim Duggan is legitimately one of them. Yeah, no, he really is. Um, he, uh, we must've talked about this. He is, uh, he had a number, I believe 75 UK single, uh, with USA. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> well, the thing is though, I think the only reason it got to number seventy-five is because it was it was released on four different formats, uh, which you could do back then, and uh, the hardcore fans probably collected all of them. Um, but yeah, and it was a good song, not for nothing. <laughs> it, it's a good workout song. Hack saw Jim Juggin, but beats people up. We are see right. Okay, maybe we'll cover one of those one day. I'll do a backing track and then we yeah, can start. Yeah, I was gonna say up. we're 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 yeah we're running <laughs> we're running thin on time to get into the the that album. <laughs> um, okay, I, I think with a dartboard and darts, I don't think you could have had a more random main event than this. Um, is it a singles? No, it's a tag, and it is on the network. This one match. It's tag, and it's it's all everyone, and it's random. You're saying. Well, I mean, it's it's a tag team against two kind of random guys with a random manager, but again, it's nods to Houston. Oh, yeah, I'm never going to guess it. Go ahead. Uh, it's Mil Mascaris and Tito Santana with Jose okay. Lothario Lefar- in their corner um, against Demolition with Fuji in their corner. Wow. Mm-hmm. There it goes... <laughs> For your main event, it goes five minutes and 56 seconds, and uh, <laughs> Mascaras and uh, Tito win by DQ. Uh, there's a lot of DQs on this uh, show. Uh, I did a show one time in, like, South Texas. Uh, it was, like, an outdoor show, and Jose Lothario was there. And literally, they opened the show, and they're like, everybody, 
round of applause, Jose Lothario. And he comes out and he steps in the ring and he waves at everybody. And then I'm almost positive he just got in his car and left. <laughs> oh, you, you're ruining the images of some legends for me now. At least 90% positive that happened. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Like, you know, I you have wrestled for like a long time and especially on the independency you've wrestled you've been in contact with just probably most names that i can imagine and probably have at uh, least sure. some kind of crazy story about some of them you know i, I kind of feel like i don't want to ask uh, you too outside much about- of outside of mill mascaris <laughs> uh, outside of mill mascaris i've i've shared a locker room with everyone in that main event <laughs> That's incredible. Oh, see, that's the thing, though. I don't want to be that guy who, like, asked you about, like, everyone that you've worked with, you know. Um, like, do, uh, do you, are you usually okay with that? Like, sort of, like, when people, because it is asking you about your career, but it's more about the people that you work with or people that have been on shows and stuff. Yeah, I mean. I always feel a bit guilty about doing that with wrestlers. Man, <laughs> eh, I don't care. I mean, oh. I've worked a bunch of, like, I've worked a lot of random, especially when I, like, first uh got back on the indies after wwe you know like uh i wrestled i wrestled jimmy snooker you know i i've uh i wrestled hacksaw uh you know i teamed with or i wrestled x-pac uh you know was the thing so with like, snooker the night that you were in the ring with piper or was that something else no that was something else yeah i've been i've been managed to the ring by rowdy rowdy piper like did so does that never get lost on you how cool that stuff is even if they turn out to be dicks when you work with them or? uh i mean everybody's everybody was pretty cool you know hacksaw's like one of the coolest people i've ever met he's i've done you know 15 20 shows with him uh hacksaw's always super cool snooka was intimidating but cool you know piper was super duper nice and appreciative because i was filling in for his son who was hurt uh yeah i don't know uh, none of these guys have really been dicks i i guess i don't i don't really get like starstruck or like soak it in or like it, it, so i guess some of it might be lost on me i don't know i, I got to do the too cool dance with scotty too hottie one time that was pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> it ranks it ranks up there on cool things i've gotten to, gotten to do so do you have um we'll wrap up quite soon because this is this has been as random as random gets do you have Yep. A, fav- a favorite match that you have lost? Oh, I lose. I lose pretty much every match. <laughs> so <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. If you're in the ring with a legend, then is it pretty like? Is it just assumed that that legend who's been brought in for that one show is going to win? Or yes. Oh yeah. I can't imagine a universe. I've never seen Hacksaw Jim Duggan lose. <laughs> have you does he that, and i mean this in the nicest way does he even take bumps oh yeah i can imagine he yeah. doesn't oh do, yeah all right he does. okay because i mean uh, that was um with honky dunk man like even his ebay name was no bumps and there was a there was a shoot where they followed him around and uh the camera's pretty close to him in the ring in this wrestling match and uh you know he tells the wrestler in the ring you can hear him call it that he doesn't take bumps and don't chop him because his peck got torn years ago. And the first thing this wrestler does is chop him in the test. And uh, Honky turns it around and he starts chopping him back, going, I told you not to chop me with every single chop that he did back to him. As well. <laughs> when I wrestled Snooker, uh, Jimmy Snooker, I'm pretty sure has been wrestling, you know, 
had been wrestling the same match uh, on indie <laughs> shows for a good amount of time. So he had like that match that he does. Mm-hmm. Well, it starts with you like, you know, jumping him from behind. So I hit Jimmy Snuka from behind and it sounded like a gunshot went off in that building. Just the sound of my forearm connecting with his, his back. And I, he just, he drops into a heap and I tell the ref, like, seriously, go check on him because at that point he's a 70 year old man. Uh, (laughs) So I tell them, I'm like, go check on him, go check on him. So the ref goes and checks on him. He says, uh, he's good. So I go over and I, I'm like, okay. So I start kind of giving him like, you know, little ginger punches because I'm, I'm nervous because I just crushed a 70 year old man. And he's just going, hit me, brother, hit me. And I'm like, okay. So I just start laying them in. And now I'm like, I'm physically punching Jimmy Snuka in his face. And he's just like, that's what he wanted. He wanted me to just crush him. Wow. Okay, we're going to have to do a show on some of these matches you've had with uh, legends over the years. (laughs) I think there'll be some really cool stories. Um, Okay, so this was one hour and ten minutes of absolute random nonsense to get you through your day, uh, dear listener. Um, We hope you enjoyed it. Um, it Was was it everything that you could have expected, Colin? I think so. You're going to have to listen to it back. While you were talking about Terry Funk, you got a little on my end. Okay. I don't know if it's going to translate through to the other end either. That was me being possessed by Papa Shango. I started skipping puns for a little bit. So, yeah, coming up with me, I've just interviewed Georgia Smith, the British Bulldog's daughter, and I just made the announcement that I'm going to have a very, very rare interview with Diana Hart-Smith. Wow. I'm kind of like it's a, it's a weird one because you know we have the we have the podcast for for the love of wrestling which is you very lucky to have this uh, Europe's rest, largest wrestling convention so we get offered like crazy guests um to interview and then uh, Georgia I think enjoyed the interview enough because it, it's a free flowing conversation which I like to try and have but I try and keep it on topic somewhat we like me and yourself have done about eighty seven of these. Um, so we can Correct. just talk about anything now. Um, and she was like, do you want to talk to my mom? And I was like, kind of, you know, like, you know, I'd, I'm going to ask her about her fringe jacket that she wore at SummerSlam 92, which she still has. Um, you know, so as long as she's right. not, I was going to say, you got to ask all about 90, all about SummerSlam 92. Mm-hmm. Well, she's done an interview with Sean Mooney, so I'm going to have to, I need to listen to that one and, uh, probably going to because Sean wasn't there that much longer and the, that was the only contact that they had on TV so you know Diana she was there for one night only when um everyone was from bottles in the ring because Bulldog had lost in his hometown oh yeah I've oh, that and and those were glass bottles as well and that was a drunk UK crowd at that point um and his, his his sister who had cancer was in the audience and it was just like oh who decided to end it like this? I mean, it was, it's right. be- it's beautiful in its way, you know, because it's just, I can't believe that they did it. And it makes it probably more interesting than it might have been. But it's just like, oh, like, yeah, that crowd were, I need to, I've, I know some people who were there at that event and they had to duck for cover because um, it was probably the closest thing to a riot in, I mean, certainly in WWF that you're going to get. I would say. Holy smokes. 
because um, that UK crowds, if you rile them up, they do not give a shit. Did you ever see the um, <laughs> before we wrap up? And because this is kind of on topic, um, they did the SmackDown in Liverpool, um, yeah, a few years ago now, and the crowd are dead because it's pre-taped and they're probably doing rest holds during the breaks and all that kind of thing. And Vince comes out off camera, but forgetting that like camera phones exist and everything gets recorded now. And he's like, you know, cheer up, damn it. And <laughs> like, you know, Oh, I think I do remember that. Oh, there's nothing like being told by a billionaire to, you know, what to enjoy. And, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of like in America right now. <laughs> Um, you know, it's that classic phrase that someone said, you know, you don't like what you think you like, you like what I tell you to like. And, right. um, yeah, imagine that's, that's had... the McMahon motto. Right? <laughs> that just sweetened up that crowd a little bit. Did you ever, when you won ECW, did you ever wrestle through a break? Did I ever what? Wrestle through a, a commercial break. Yes. So what do you do at that point? Just wrestled? Uh, usually for me, I sell because I've been something horrible has happened to me going into the break. <laughs> oh, will you get like sympathy at this point? Will like sort of old grandmothers coming up to you and like saying how much they wanted to, you know, beat up that dastardly Mark Henry? Or... Yes. Okay, that's, that's good. fairly fairly regularly. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever do any promo stuff for WWE when you were there, like autograph signings, like the official sort of appearing in a Walmart to sign stuff? Uh, I signed autographs at Universal Studios one time for WWE. Ah. How was that? Did you get how the kids were the dickheads? Duke the Drumstadrosi told me that like sort of he got sort of hired to be at a kid's birthday party. And uh, the kid, all the kid knew was that a WWF superstar was going to be there, and it was Duke the Dumpster Drossy and Bob Holly. And the kid went, I, "I wanted Razor Ramon." <laughs> Duke was just, like, <laughs> "Fuck you, little brat." And I think he just helped himself to the buffet for the night, you know. <laughs> I was pretty—I uh, don't know—I was pretty stoked because I was like, "Can I just stay in Universal Studios and like?" go on rides after i get done and they were like yeah sure you know you gotta remember i was a 21 year old kid i was just people are people want to get my autograph and then i can just go ride rides this rules you know where to find colin because i know you don't like talking about where people can find you and stuff like that and buy your stuff yeah at extremely cute on twitter at extremely colin on instagram usually there's links to things that you can go i got a pro wrestling tease look for my name you can buy shirts directly from me hit me up on the twitter or the instagram or wherever you find me Buy it. Buy his stuff. Buy his stuff. Did you um? Did your WWE face masks come? Uh, my girlfriend got a, a cane. And it did arrive eventually. It did arrive. Yeah, it's terrible. It's terribly made. <laughs> I tried to wear it. I tried to wear it. Like the second I try and speak, either my mouth is out or my nose comes out. It's like this mask is so pointless. Well, there you go. See, there's there's an official uh, review of the WWE face mask. Maybe that was done on purpose, though, since uh, Glenn Jacobs is apparently so against face masks. Oh, yeah. the man. <laughs> uh, I, re- I refuse to say a singular bad word about him. No, I'm sure I'm sure he's a lovely man. <laughs> I'm sure he's a lovely man. But uh, well, the thing is, though, the, the general thing was, you know, a wrestler who wears masks for 20 years is against face masks. But there was like oh, this... There was this double irony that people didn't report on that he also has his own brand of face masks. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so yeah, oh, that's a shame because I wanted the Randy Savage one. But if it's not any good, then I'll I'll pass on that. Yeah, I, what I should do is go on some of these, uh, you know, uh, like pro wrestling tees and stuff like that because they do like independent face masks now. You can buy like Nasty Boys ones and all kinds. I never go back and listen to these after we do them. But do you like do you cut half of this out where you like you say we're gonna stop? <laughs> And then we keep talking for a half hour. Does it end earlier or did, is all this still in there? No, nah, I keep it in. I keep it in because this is good stuff. This is good shit. This is the definition of I good think... shit. This is what the people want. <laughs> the, the podcast should be called, uh, I'm going to wrap this up now. <laughs> <laughs> is that a subtle hint? Yeah. No, it's you... just an hour and a half of you saying, I'm going to wrap this up now. <laughs> And I only do that with you as well, which, like, again, <laughs> this is why you put up my bullshit. So, yes, with that, thank you, everyone, uh, for tuning into this podcast uh, that was made for your viewing – well, not viewing because it's audio uh, – <laughs> for your listening pleasure, uh, for your oral pleasure. Um, oral as in A-U, not O-R. <laughs> Thanks for specifying. Yeah. Uh, I, feel, I, feel like it's always, uh, I feel like it's always worth uh, – <laughs> specifying so yes thank you again and we will see you all <laughs> we'll see you all next time see ya <laughs>